chapter seventeen of the ins and outs of paris or paris by day and night by julie de marguerite this librivox recording is in the public domain versailles versailles is almost paris so we will take the railroad from the rue saint-lazare and for two francs we shall in twenty minutes be in the city created by le grand monarque louis the fourteenth it is a lovely route passing through some of the most beautiful portions of the park of st cloud ville d'avray which by the by comes first with its beautiful villas and reaching versailles in one of the best parts of the town before we go sightseeing let us look a little about the town no one ever thinks of doing that and i question whether many people ever think there is anything but a succession of picture galleries and palaces in versailles excepting restaurants which adjoin them and barracks and soldiers which are everywhere now it is not so the palace which called such a numerous court within its walls also founded one of the handsomest and best-built towns in france the streets are wide the houses regular and of fine stone in the grand and massive architecture of the day mansart and le nôtre were not monopolized by the king they have displayed for nearly all the noble families of france the taste and talent which raised the finest palace in the world and laid out these far-famed gardens of course the mansions i speak of have changed proprietors they are no longer the abodes of revelry elegance and riches still versailles is very well inhabited and the society assembled there though of course nothing in proportion to the capacities of the town is select and high-toned house-rent the most expensive item in paris and the bugbear of small incomes is very low in versailles many of the families of the faubourg saint-germain who on their return from immigration found their property had become national property and were reduced to mere competency prefer the large and lofty houses of versailles to the little close coquettish apartments the same sum would procure for them in paris widows of officers or distinguished men but poorly pensioned by government men of studious habits literary men of the highest grade all love versailles the retired tradesman is choose it as dull artists actors the arteries of the great city body can take but snatches of it for their life is the capital and they like the light of a lamp so brilliant in the night but so pale in the sun can exist only in the tumult turmoil and excitement of paris but more than its palace where art and its wonders absorb the mind do its solemn silent majestic and grass-grown streets appeal to the remembrance of bygone days and the echoing of your own footsteps through them made so wide to admit the four-horsed equipages and outriders that continually dash through speaks in earnest tone of the vanity of human greatness and human glory the race for whom this town was built the proud nobility of france has passed away its power has gone the names engraved on every page of past history are no longer inscribed side by side with the great deeds of the day another class has arisen a class without ancestors or antecedents created from the blood of this very race which flowed for days over the pavement on which we tread the king around whom all clustered for whom mythology and ancient lore was searched to find some name that should express beyond all others the godlike attributes of their idol has had his very ashes cast to the four winds of heaven his descendants are in exile the power of his race has fled from them and even the memory of louis the fourteenth has been dragged from its pedestal 
the grandeurs of his reign analyzed despoiled of its halo his magnanimity slandered his passions anathematized and he now stands like a stranded vessel which the wreckers have despoiled a mere symbol of royalty as the mouldering hulk is of the once fair ship which breasted the foaming waves perhaps as you enter the palace marie antoinette and her fair-haired children present themselves to your mind rather than the prosperous and gilded court of the founder of this palace but in this gallery of the oeil de boeuf with its mirrors from floor to ceiling its gilded columns and painted ceilings it is the court so teeming with life youth love valour and brilliancy which come before you these splendours want the waving plumes the rustling silks the clanging swords on this polished floor one cannot fancy blood or rifle balls through these gorgeous windows and yet louis philippe the much quizzed old fogey king did more for versailles than the bourbons and its present condition is owing to his arrangements the whole of the restoration was governed entirely by the master intellect of the duchess d'angouleme and she turned with a shudder from versailles she remembered the massacre of the swiss guards her mother's terror and the last flight of the last princess who ever slept under the roof raised as a world-wide memorial of bourbon greatness well people french people have laughed at the somewhat superficial embellishments and restorations of the citizen king they have ridiculed his yards of historical painting but it cannot be denied that though some of the paintings are daubs it is a very pleasant way of studying history to follow this pictorial chronicle of all the events of the french reigns from charlemagne to louis philippe and one can forgive his paternal vanity in having made his sons heroes of battles in africa as grand and bloody-looking as those of fontenoy and waterloo for the care with which he has composed the napoleon gallery whose pictures recall grouped within the brief existence of one man as many noble deeds lasting institutions wonderful achievements and heroic actions as are recorded through whole centuries of three lines of kings till louis philippe's time the pictures of napoleon's reign though painted by gerard gros david and vernet had been sedulously hidden from the public but louis philippe hunted up from the royal garret every memorial art had left to immortalize the immortal deeds and name which have distinguished france for ever amongst all nations here are portraits of bonaparte at all periods of his existence from mere daubs of the thin bilious sub-lieutenant done by some artist friend to try his skill to the emperor in ermine robes placing the imperial crown on his brow at the altar of notre dame here are portraits of josephine when first he saw her the great and admired lady he trembled to address here she is weeping by his side when first the word divorce so long echoing in her heart assumed a sound and substance there she lies with hortense and eugene weeping by her corpse further on is marie louise a fair fat unmeaning german face which does not even give indication of force enough for the vice and degradation to which she fell the king of rome too he is everywhere in every palace in every room of the palace where he was likely to pass the fond father placed the image of his son and yet they tried to erase the father's name from the memory of the child but the heart knew it and broke over the remembrance this is pauline the beautiful pauline canova had but to copy the form for these statues of loveliness and grace and the face was worthy of the form all napoleon's sisters are here all his generals 
most of his enemies the duke of wellington who owes his fame to the importance of his adversary rather than to his own achievements is here alexander the judas who betrayed with an embrace is here talleyrand with his wrinkled face and pale blue eye fouché all are here and eagerly we go from one to another for there is something about the wonderful career of napoleon which appeals to our imagination like a ghost story to which one listens with beating heart and kindling eye in the sculpture gallery is one statue you must see you know i am not a cicerone of sights but of sentiment it is the lingering spirit of the good angel of the bourbon family within these walls and shows the immortality of art above all other glories there it stands beautiful in itself a statue of the virgin heroine joan of arc sprung from the genius of the young princess marie of orleans the second daughter of louis philippe who designed moulded and chiselled with her own hand this statue so marvellously vigorous expressive and yet feminine now for the gardens for you have before seen the chapel so still so magnificent so calm yet so aristocratic that one feels it was made for kings to pray in and do not care to follow the crowd to see louis the fourteenth's bedroom as it was when he lived restored in all its velvet and gold hangings and feathered canopies by louis philippe come into the gardens park as they call it here is the fountain of neptune which costs such herculean labour and such immense drawing of the public treasury there is very little water now but when it plays fountains issue from all these tritons and fishes and even the horses of the god himself spout forth their streams in all directions a pretty sight but every time the waters of versailles play it costs the city twenty thousand francs poor louis little he cared for these wonders he created for at last his only enjoyment was to creep to one of the ponds and feed fishes who knew him or the bread he threw and wriggle their tails at his approach stand on the terrace of the palace to the left is the orangerie the trees are all out and about the grounds the perfumes are wafted before us bordered on each side by thick shrubberies and flower beds is a large extent of green sward leading by a declivity to the pièce d'eau des suisses a lake made by royal command beyond are the woods of sartory a lovely view a magnificent sight unequalled in the world where art has created all nature denied and fashioned to picturesque civilization the beautiful productions of nature not only was the garden laid out and embellished with wondrous care and taste but for miles and miles as far as royal eyes could see was the landscape fashioned into pictures no hut unless picturesque was left no tree unless cut to shape left standing admire nay you cannot but admire you may talk of the uselessness the tyranny the injustice of such a palace for one man but admire you must years hence too when you are far away and your thoughts recur to this palace and this scene you will acknowledge that you have seen the greatest monument of the taste genius and power of man the greatest effort of art and its splendours that successive generations ever bequeathed to the world End of chapter seventeen